0: Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Train Pop Culture. With me, as always...
1: Jonathan, Strawn
2: Kimbo V 2.0.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and your host today is Mrs Strawn. Um, we're picking up where we left off a few weeks ago with the rise of the remakes and delving straight into the House of Mouses' continual... Uh, live-action remake fest basically. Uh, Last time we spoke we went over remakes and touched on Alice in Wonderland and today we are dealing with two Disney animations and their subsequent live-action remakes. Starting us off we have the 1959 animated version of Sleeping Beauty which was then subsequently followed up by Maleficent in 2014 and Maleficent, Mistress of Evil in 2019.
2: Before you even ask for our opinions, I would like to state, for the record, Sleeping Beauty, the animated film from the 50s, is a bag of wank. No one needs to watch it. It serves no purpose. Fuck that film.
0: (laughs) I take it you weren't a fan, Kimber. It's really hard to find any redeeming qualities from that animated film and you've got to think for me at least like i was dragged up watching disney movies i had all of the vhs's it was like my lifeblood was growing up on these movies and sleeping beauty was always that film where it looked beautiful it it visually it was stunning but every time you watch it you felt disappointed because the only redeeming quality in that film was that Maleficent was badass. You shouldn't be rooting for a witch cursing a baby because she doesn't get invited to a party. Like, that's, that's not, it's sort of the antithesis I, of most Disney princess movies. You're meant to be like, yeah, go princess, got your prince, whoop, whoop. And you just don't care. I think Aurora is also, like she had, I think she has like four lines of actual dialogue. a song and that's it like she never fucking speaks she's literally the most vacuous pointless princess in Disney existence in terms of animated films I have nothing really very positive to say apart from it was really pretty and it made me really like purple and green (laughs) and it it tuned me in early that purple and green were going to be villain colours that's it that's all I have to say
2: (laughs) yeah I think the point you made is the reason no one really likes it. it you can't root for the good guy because the good guy spends the film asleep it it would literally be like rooting for a rock not the rock a rock in any film where there is a rock in the background you can't root for the rock the rock is just there apart from the boulder in ice age because that is a nice boulder
0: the the chicken's rock in moana that he chokes on all the time. I like that rock. That rock has more redeeming qualities than Aurora. It has that comedic value, film. at least.
2: That's a villainous ass rock. You can't mm. choke out that
3: chicken. Yeah. Oh, just to remember how sort of meh the film, I agree with both of you that it's, it's a meh film. There's nothing really sort of to it. Like you say, Aurora's got like four li- lines of dialogue and a, a song, which, by the way, isn't her song. It's a duet. It's a very unique system, uh, incidents in Disney history where the princess has what but one song and it's uh, it's a duet with the prince. She's not got her own setup. She's not got anything like that. But um, just as a show of hands, do you actually remember what the uh, Prince Charming was called in this one? This is a brilliant one. Every others so you remember, you lot got like Prince Eric, Prince Adam, and so on. Who was in this one? Oh. Uh, Philip. Yeah, I was. I was about to say, not you, female strong, because you did the the full research on this one. I was so into the other two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No
0: one. Is... I actually. Yeah. That. I actually just know that. All right. I'm a, an old school Disney fan. Like I I know it's yeah. Philip.
3: Yeah, it's Prince I thought there was one Thank you. That was the point I was exactly hoping to get across, is people going, oh, yeah, it's that." no. Prince, uh, Prince Adam is from, uh, I believe, Cinderella. I wanted to say that. But yeah, it's, In it's beast, silly, And everyone goes, huh? Eh? In the Beast is Adam. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, so it's just like, yeah, okay. So you can't even remember the the hero, the the Prince Charming's name. The guy who literally comes in on a white horse shining armour and kills a dragon. Can't remember his name. That's how boring the film was. That's how meh the film was. I mean, it was absolutely award-winning in its animation. The animation style was one of the best uh, of uh, Disney's golden era um, before they sort of started pumping out crap in the, the 70s and 80s. But it was really beautifully animated and the, the animation scene where philip fights maleficent as a dragon that's awesome but the fact that you can't even remember the becker's name goes to prove just how meth the film is that you it bored itself out of your mind
2: here is my bu- biggest bugbear regarding the film i love dissing princess films for one reason and one reason only i like to remember the princess song and the villain song I can remember neither from Sleeping Beauty.
0: Um, I don't even think Maleficent truly has a villain song, which is a huge disappointment. Um, Aurora's is a, a very mediocre. Once a dream. Yeah, it's, it's just a mediocre song. It's not a strong song. I think for me, um, Aurora lacks any of the kind of vitality and strength that you get from other Disney princesses even like I know that we're now in a modern era where we've had Elsa in Frozen and we've had Moana and we've had stronger female characters but even if you go back to like earlier doors and even like a a film that we'll come up to later like Cinderella had a bit more going on about her she at least had a personality Ariel had a personality she was very strong-willed she was stupid and naive because she was a child but she had a personality and she had beliefs and she had conviction like she was completely dedicated to the choices she was going to make and she had to learn the hard way that you know maybe she went about it the wrong way but ariel had passion and she had character and she had charm and commitment to an idea And, you know, even fucking Snow White, who is literally meant to be the purest of the pure, had some sort of redeeming qualities and character and wit and charm. And Aurora kind of flounces about in the forest, sings to some birds briefly, meets a boy once, gets a bit scared, runs home, pricks a finger on a spinning wheel and falls into a coma. Like, she's the most passive character in any Disney film. And I'd I'd even argue, like, coming back to a point that Johnson made, I don't even think that it was beautiful, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it was badly animated, but it doesn't stand up as good as Snow White did. Snow White was devastatingly beautiful animation style. And I don't think the two stand up next to each other in the same level. I don't think that sleep, like Sleeping Beauty is this iconic film. And there's such iconic imagery from the film. I think that you know, the three good fairies, they've got great comedic value. I I loved them in the original animation. I did like them. I thought they were great. I think that it was kind of as a child, our very first kind of um introduction into saltiness and bitchiness. Um, and we had no context for what that was at the time, but that's how you learn how to be salty and bitchy. That this looks hideous, that's because it's on you, dear, is possibly one of the best cutting bite-back lines in that film. The two kings, when they're kind of trying to marry off Philip, and they're at the banqueting hall before they all fall asleep, they're very funny. There's little gems of comedy, but none of these moments carry the film on their own like there's not enough of them for that film to stand up I'm not entirely sure why it's still referred to in the way that it is like it's this golden perfect example of beautiful old school Disney like it's it had a few good moments and it was quite pretty but it just it has no soul. And like the, the story that it tells is, as well is like it's the TLDR version of that story, because this again, it's Disney going back to old fairy tales and repurposing them for their own means. Sleeping Beauty is by no means an original story for Disney. But like this the version of the story that Disney provides you, yeah, it gets all kind of jollied up and they all live happily ever after and go off into a castle together and it's beautiful and there's fairies. But it it feels like for an hour for a film that's like over an hour, not a lot happens. It's all like it, it's like you know when you like you you can't remember where you've got to in your audiobook and you you're skipping through chapters and you hear the first few lines and you're like, No, I've listened to that one. No, I've listened to that bit. Oh, now I found where I am now. The whole film feels like that for me. Like you kind of constantly skipping, and then you get to the end and you're like, oh, it's done. I'm not sure. But it all escalates very quickly as well. You go from Aurora being a baby to singing in the wood for the first time with this boy, to this boy wanting to fight a dragon to be with her, and they have encountered each other for approximately four and a half seconds. So like, I've just, I never understood it. I don't think it's a particularly good film. I don't think it's a particularly good interpretation of the story. I don't think she's a particularly interesting princess. And it's just, it's always been a massive for me because it looks like it should deliver and it never does.
3: Yeah. Uh, I was just gonna sort of add on to what you say about, more about the personalities and, or lack thereof, because uh, Aurora is just, Aurora has got the personality of girl. That's her personality. It's literally, you know, you've got Prince Charming is brave, the um, three um fairy godmothers are you know funny and salty maleficent is angry is quite angry dark but quite clever and so on uh the king is quite a-, a desperate needy but you can clearly see love and then you've got aurora girl that's her personality girl she exists to literally go hi i'm the love interest here i'm about to pass out so do you want to get on with your thing while i have a nap and yeah, it's it's very intriguing that Aurora. You can't actually say anything about her other than that she sleeps. She literally act- does. It's it's the most unique Disney film in which the princess could be replaced by a bundle of cash, and the outcome's exactly the same. The prince would fight his way to the center of it in order to gain it. <laughs> it's the only time that you could replace the princess with an object and literally nothing would change.
0: I mean, Aurora is legitimately an extra in her own film. The titular character of the 1959 animated version of Sleeping Beauty is an extra in her own film. That's not. She, she's why- not.
3: Yeah, I wouldn't even say she's an extra. She's, she's a piece of furniture. She's got as much importance to it as the spindle does.
1: I'm just going to throw my two cents in because you guys have been ranting for quite a while now. Um, I have nothing positive to say about the film at all. I can barely remember ever watching it. The only thing I do remember is that there's a dragon in it but I remember the dragons more from Schindler's List. And if anyone gets that reference, I will personally send a prize out to the person who remembers that, who gets that
0: reference. Yeah, she's just, she is just so throwaway. And like, the the one redeeming quality of the animated version of that film was Maleficent. Like, fundamentally, like, in context as well and this is something that I learned later on in life as a kid you're not going to get this particular reference but to slight like to not invite a person of her stature to that party to bless the baby was an enormous insult it was huge and so that and, and even like as a kid in some way you kind of like Oh, this is awkward because nobody wants to be the kid that's not invited to the party. And like you can under you kind of empathize with her that she's been slighted. Even as a kid, you're just like, Well, that's a bit mean. You didn't invite her to the baby party. Like, even on some base level as a child, you're going to understand that. So you immediately kind of go, I'm not sure I disagree with her. Maybe cursing a baby is a bit severe, but you know, she might have had a bad day. And that was just the thing that kicked her in the dick right at the end of it. Like, oh, everything's broken. My crows disappeared. And this fucking party I've not even been invited to. Like, you know, sometimes it's just it's the little thing that tips you over the edge. Cursing a baby might have been a bit severe. But she's been slighted by the kingdom. The entire kingdom has just basically stuck its finger up at her and gone, not you, not you. which is just rude, not very British. Um, but like, even, like she curses this baby and then she's got to deal with these minions that have spent 16 years looking for a baby and she just has this beautiful moment where the penny drops because the little minions say yeah we've, we've been searching every cradle and she, you just see her snap like oh my fucking god you've just spent 16 years you've been looking for an infant for 16 years this is why you do everything yourself. And like, the, there are moments in the film where Maleficent is literally the most relatable and endearing character in the whole film. She's got some wicked one liners She's very bitter. She's surrounded by idiots. And she's just very broken. And I think she's a, she's a brilliant villain, but you shouldn't be rooting for the villain in an animated classic Disney movie. Mm -hmm. However, that does lead us beautifully on to what they decided to do in terms of a live-action remake. Because in 2014, we saw the release of Maleficent, which provided backstory to what made Maleficent, Maleficent. What led up to the eventual cursing of the baby why she was so bitter why she was so hurt that that was a reasonable course of action uh Angelina Jolie as Maleficent was fucking genius the film who like for me when I heard that they were doing Maleficent I was like yes this is how you reboot the Sleeping Beauty story because the Sleeping Beauty story you gave us before was objectively poor. Like it wasn't a strong, it's not a strong story. There's not a, a lot of very strong characters. What we got originally was sort of weak. And you've taken the one thing in that animated film that was glorious and gritty and interesting, and you're going to just run with that character. Y- yes, give me all of that. I was so excited when I saw kind of all the screen test stuff and the behind the scenes and the little snippets that got leaked and when Angelina Jolie got kind of outed as the lead for the role, I was like, yes, perfect, absolutely stunning. That's how she should look. This is great. And then you watch it and go, what the fuck? This was, it was devastatingly beautiful, Maleficent as a movie. But the, the kind of the gravity and the darkness and the depth of the story that they decided to tell of basically being completely betrayed by somebody you're in love with to the point where they physically abused you and the way she cries when she wakes up the next morning and she's been de-winged which is basically just her beat like her being physically assaulted like she's just been assaulted by somebody she trusted implicitly and her tears made me go cold, and then like it skips to the the part where you know the baby's been born and he's the fucking king, and he's only the king because he betrayed her. And everything makes sense, and just the whole the every element of Maleficent, the first film for two thousand and fourteen, I just thought was so fucking intelligent, so well told, well scripted, well acted cast was fantastic visually stunning very very interesting story wasn't expecting the story i got but fuck i was like overjoyed when i watched that film i got to the end and was just like well fuck like what there was i didn't know how and i still to a degree don't know how to express how profoundly fantastic that part of this meh story was told getting the backstory for this incredible villain and realizing that she's not the fucking villain it was genius it was dark it was edgy it was gritty it was nuanced and it was just breathtaking but that's just my opinion what do you guys think
2: i'll go next because i'm coming at it from a different point of view I heard it was coming out in 2014 i was 21 i didn't give a shit no interest and then maleficent 2 came out and by this point i'm friends with you guys and you're like oh you need to watch it you need to watch it. it'll be really good because the first one's really good you need to watch the first one first and i'm like yeah whatever then then some individual on this podcast decided we were going to cover Disney remakes, and I was like, I'm going to have to watch all the fucking ones I've not watched yet. Motherfucker. And Maleficent was oldest one I had not watched, because it's the second one that was ever released. So I went, I watched it, and it's in my top three Disney remakes. It's incredible. I don't care about Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty as a film sucks dick. Maleficent as a film is a legit work of art. I don't overly like Angelina Jolie as an actress. But I think about it, and I'm like, she's in things, but I don't really care. She's not a ticket seller for me. Um, but she rocks the boat in this. She's absolutely incredible. Um, the the Irish, I assume, I hope he's Irish. I'm just going to accuse him of being Irish now. Who plays the Raven. He's men. <laughs> I love that guy. He's not Irish, is he? Looking at the laughter on everyone's him. face.
3: You, you accuse, him, at, of accuse him
1: of being Irish. Yeah. Accuse someone of being Irish. You, like, sir, I, uh, <laughs> yeah. How dare you be Irish?
3: Yeah. You, sir, I've just seen you've committed the sin of being
1: Irish. <laughs> Fucking hell. Thank you God you're not in the form of power. <sighs> well, I, think I think yeah. right as well, don't think he's Irish. You've accused him now, mate. You're too far gone. <laughs> Foul down the say, If
3: this was Cluedo, yeah, if this was Cluedo, you didn't suspect. You fall on accused. So you've got to look into the pack.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm not not Irish. <laughs>
3: <laughs> what have you arrested him for, sir? Well, he was Irish. Fair enough. Into the cells he goes.
2: Moving away from my poor wording. Hashtag phrasing. Um, yeah he was great he's my he's my second favourite part of the film after Maleficent I like I like the scene with the wings as well and you're like oh which way is Aurora going to go oh I'm not sure oh I'm on the edge of my seat but I'm actually sat back enjoying a beer but metaphorically I'm on the edge of my seat and then she sighs with Maleficent and you're like you go girly you got this and the animation's really good. Like, the CGI from the mid-2000s does not age well. This one looks all right. Still looks good. I watched it, like, six months-ish ago. Still looks good. I don't think I have anything else to add. I really liked it. I like the little fairies as well. The fairies are fun. Not the fairy godmothers, but like the little state.:
0: I really like the fact that, for this interpretation, a very small part of a larger story because Maleficent is f- focusing and honing in on a character in a larger story and basically tipping that story on its head and telling it from the other side, which was kind of groundbreaking for Disney because Disney like their heroes, they like their princesses, they like the good to win, and this was, um, this was like it wasn't even like in the same league as anything they'd done previously. Like we're going to take this hero story and tell it from the point of view of the villain and make the villain look like the hero. And you get that, but there's, they added such a lot of dimension to it. The fact that there's the whole of the Fae, it's not just three cumbersome women in a cottage in a wood that's just happened to have like birds by it. There's an established fae area in the kingdom and there's lots of fairy types and lots of myth types and they all live in harmony and they're all okay. And, you know, this is just, this is as run of the mill as seeing, you know, a cat run across the road in Stoke. Like, it's normal. And it feels natural. They make unnatural elements of a story feel natural in that world. You never get taken out of it. But I think the thing that I love the most is... Angelina Jolie's interpretation of Maleficent as a character she's just she's got such incredible range throughout the whole thing from being this naive hopeful, young hopelessly in love creature that's fallen in love with just a mortal human to being heartbroken and abused and tormented to being bitter and angry and outraged and quite she's justified in those feelings and in the action she takes to punish him i don't think that anybody could say that like in the this the animated film you're like cursing a baby bit strong but cursing that man's baby to punish him for what he's done you're just like you earned that mate This is what you've done. You're going to get punished because the only thing she can do to hurt you is her, something you love. And that's that's it. But then you see her fucking grow and you see her follow this child because she's waiting for the prime time to kill her. And you see Maleficent fall in love with this child and call her beastie and save her from running off the edge of a cliff and all these little scrapes that a toddler gets herself into And you just see this enormous growth and development and just the the range of emotions and just what she goes through as a character from the beginning right through to the end. Maleficent is one of the most well-rounded characters I've seen in any of the Disney live-action remakes because she's just, she's, yes she's a fey folk but she's one of the most human characters we've ever been given and she's just it's just incredible i just yeah i fucking love this film i'm so glad that you ended up watching it kimbo and that you liked it i'd have been really really sad if you'd watched it and gone meh (laughs) so i'm glad you didn't go meh
2: just wanted to quickly piggyback off your point about how amazing I am. Joking, joking, piggybacking off your point on how amazing that bit with Beastie and uh, Maleficent is. When Angelina and Julie can convey, convey Beastie breaking down like the emotional walls she's built up around her heart, one by one, brick by brick, just by being a cute, adorable little toddler girl. It's Outstanding acting, like it really is. It won't get any credit because it's a fucking Disney film, and Angelina Jolie's a woman, and the Oscars hate women.
3: But like, it's and so good. Racial minorities as well. Don't forget about that. You know, isn't Angelina,
2: is Angelina Jolie a um, racial minority?
3: No, no. I was go- going on what you said about the Oscars. They hate women they also hate racial minorities. what oh, okay. Point I was adding.
2: Okay. I mean, yes, I've got a point to make about that on a future episode. Moving swiftly on from racism. Um, yeah. Angelina Jolie absolutely knocks out the park. I can't say it enough. I'm really glad that she doesn't have any films that potentially make me eat my words about how good she is coming off, unlike other actresses. Who I maybe picked up in the last
3: episode. My turn. Right. Sorry, go on.
1: I was going to say, like, she's in the two films that she portrays. Mélissa, she's like, to me, she's like a New Age Disney princess because she's gone through the heartbreak, but she's also like dark and mysterious. But she's she's become what we what our generation wants from a Disney princess, not this sort of like fucking perfect little dainty little figure that's like, oh, I'm after Prince Charming. You were cheering for Maleficent through the films, and that's what I wanted. I want, if we're going to have like, if we're going to idolise, if we're going to have kids idolising these characters, you want them to idolise characters that you, you wholeheartedly want to work out their life to pan out for them. That's what I think a Disney princess in this day and age should, should embody. And for me, she ticks all those boxes.
0: Just to quickly piggyback off what you have just said there, Hon. Um, we, we're in a modern era of Disney where... But, and, and don't get me wrong, and I want to apologise to you know, listeners at, at home. Please don't misinterpret what I'm about to say. Because I appreciate that Frozen is a very solid film. It is. I get it. It's fine. But there are so many people that just cheer and chant about Frozen. So it's the first Disney film where the princesses are saved by sisterly love. It's not. Lilo and Stitch did that shit way before Frozen did. But it's great that at some point people went, oh, look, Disney have done this with Frozen. If, if it took Frozen for them to realise that that's an avenue they've, they've gone down, Thumbs up. That's great. Fantastic. Thank you, for Frozen, for bringing that to the wider audience, like the people registered that you don't need a boy to save you. You don't need to, you know, get married and live in a castle and have babies to be a happy, fulfilled and complete woman. Like Frozen did that for most people. But Maleficent in this film, she saves herself. And she saves herself by opening her heart to her surrogate child, basically. Like she finds solace in this bond she's got with another woman that's completely platonic. It's not a sexual thing. It's just it's complete love. And it's 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 untainted by romance and it's just, it's pure. It's a pure relationship. And she's been that badly damaged and that brutalised and that hurt that what can, like over the course of the film, you just see her, this beastie, chip away at the mortar of the bricks that she's built up around herself to the point where Maleficent is desperately trying to get the prince to her because she thinks that that's what she's done she thinks that that's the only way to save her because of the the wording of the curse she worded it in such a way that a a boy's true love might be the thing that has to save her and she knows that that doesn't exist because she's jaded and she's bitter and she's hurt but when she comes to the realization that this curse has come to fruition it's her fault and she's about to lose something that she loves she tries to get the prince to her and then it doesn't work and she realises that she's, she's hurt herself by punishing something that she loved before she knew that she was going to love it. And it's her love and her openness and this relationship that she's got with an equal that saves Aurora and that saves herself. It's a very strong And positive role model. Maleficent is a strong role model for young girls watching this film. It's a strong role model for young boys watching this film. I think it sends out a lot of good messages. Like, don't fuck with people just because you can. Don't hurt people to get yourself ahead in life. It's a shitty thing to do. Look after the people that you love and care for, and don't be afraid to tell them that you love them you get that from a villain movie that's some complex shit it's just the more you think about it and the more you pick this film apart the more nuggets of gold you find it's just an endless well of treasure I think it was it was exactly what that sto- the original story needed there'd been a sufficient amount of time for them to be able to go down such a severely different route and the end product was just fucking glorious like of all the live action remakes that disney have released over the last 10 years this one is the most complex and the darkest and difficult but it's also insanely hopeful and very beautiful. And just a fucking phenomenal thing. It's genuinely just a little piece of art. And it was just pure joy from beginning to end.
3: Right. My turn. No. Uh, it's... This, if this film had been on its own, if they hadn't done a sequel, this film would have been... This film would have been... Brilliant. I mean, the film it, on its own, on its own merits, this film is really good. It, like you say, it's, uh, it's got quite complex bits. Like Kimbo said, you actually, or or is it um, Miss Strawn? Uh, you actually see her lower her guard slowly over time as as she essentially raises this kid. She realizes, oh, you know, there there is a place for for love in the world. There is this. Place and I absolutely love it as an an alleg um as a metaphor for the struggle with gay rights as well. That the fairy folk, these odd folks, are left on the fringes and are hated purely because because they exist and they're different and they view love in a diff in a different way and they look different, they act different, and the normal folk shun them, keep them in an area, and try and kill them off and reduce them um I, which is I, I, i quite like that aspect of it where you realize when the humans start to realize oh we're wrong oh, we're the bad guys here aren't we yeah we really should just accept them for who they are and so on my only gripe was the, with the film and the thing that nearly ruined it for me and luckily i can get over it is the three fairy godmothers my god they're awful they're nightmares to look at they've got huge heads and tiny bodies with an animation style that's awful by the way it actually is um very badly rendered they're very crap characters considering what they were which was you know they were at least half decent they're at least half competent in this one in in the original in this one They're complete idiots that nearly kill her a hundred times. They never take care of her. And he's literally left down to Maleficent to care for her. And you're meant to be on their sort of side as a a thing. And it's like, no, they're awful characters. They're badly written and they're badly animated. They nearly ruined it for me. Luckily, they're not the focus and they're not really in it a a ton, thankfully. So that sort of gets taken away. Uh, But overall... Angelina Jolie's character in this one it's really good it's well-rounded it's well balanced you see a range of acting um, from her you see this development of a uh, young like you say young ideal uh, ideal uh, young idealistic young girl meets a boy falls in love is betrayed and assaulted and that taints her for the rest of the, her life which it would and then through um, changing it in her circumstances she breaks, breaks her b- own barriers down and she realises oh this is, the world isn't as dark as I had imagined, there, there is a, a beauty to the wife. and finally she gets to the point where she's like oh crap what have I done? tries to change her actions and you know all the events happen, it's this makes maleficent really good this film makes a, a really brilliant and goes so far into the character it's you know it it really brings out a character that we the only character that was enjoyable from the animated film into a fully rounded probably one of the best written disney characters that has ever been in this in this film that's what you get from her and that's that's me
0: so i feel like collectively. Because we, we set out parameters of what we feel would constitute a legitimate remake, rules of a remake. So it, it had to in either improve on, add to, or there'd be sufficient time between the original and the remake for the remake to be legitimate. Does it deserve to exist, Maleficent? I feel like that's a semi-redundant question. Phil not only had, the, but like the, the animated film was nineteen fifty nine. Maleficent came out in two thousand and fourteen, so arguably it wins on that one alone. There's definitely been sufficient time for that story to get rebooted by Disney. But the other two criteria, like I think we develop, we generally speaking, you can allow a pass on a remake if it hits at least one of them i would argue and i'd like to know whether you three agree with me maleficent hits all three it improved on the original story because the elements that are carried over directly from sleeping beauty into maleficent the sleeping beauty section of maleficent is better told you get a better understanding of that part of the story than you got in the entire standalone film dedicated to that part of that story. And it added so much. You understand why she's so hurt, why she feels that cursing a baby is reasonable and you fucking agree with her. But it adds so much. I It doesn't just deliver on one of those three bullet points for me. It knocks all three of them square out into the stratosphere like this for me not only deserves to exist as a live action remake from disney but it needed to exist and i think it would be very sad if this film hadn't been made now like if you imagine like we've been given it and then somebody was hit delete and it had never been i'd be i'd be deeply upset this deserved to be and it needed to be. And I'm delighted that it is. Do you agree?
2: Yeah, um, I, I agree with you completely. I don't think, I, you'll see as we go on, I don't think too many of them hit all three off the points. I think we kind of agreed Alice did last week. Uh, Maleficent definitely does. From here on out, it gets a bit ropey for how many of them actually hit all three uh but, yeah maleficent possibly it, it's at least top three for me and there's remakes we're going to cover
3: yeah no i agree wholeheartedly the film needed to exist because like like we explained in the original it was such a <laughs> film that you needed this remake to exist um but obviously time, uh, plenty of time has passed, more than enough has passed. And it really, really does. It, to say improves on it is an actual insult to the word improvement, because it, it does so much more than improves on it. It basically rewrites the book and say, oh, sorry. Yeah, we realized was actually quite piss poor. Here's what you should have won and then allowed us to win it. We went, oh, yeah, this is actually really this is actually what should have happened. Thank you. So, yeah, I agree. All three points. It, it, yeah, it, it nails. No problem.
1: Yeah. Again, I agree with everything you guys have said. It's, it's one of those films that we, we genuinely do need in this day and age. And it's, it improves on everything that it did in the storyline. It's the film that we deserve as well as needed. A um, bit of time has passed. So, yeah, just about, you know, like 60 odd years. It'll just about do. Um, I think we could have done it another year or two before it got released, but it is what it is.
0: Well, another year or two after Maleficent, <laughs> we got Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Uh, 2019, we got the follow-up to Maleficent. Um, at this point, it, it follows straight, basically, off the back of where Maleficent left off. We pick up, basically, from the end of that film... Aurora's with a prince, everybody's happy, everybody's alive. Very, very different film. Has nothing to do with the original Sleeping Beauty story apart from the characters. Um, I didn't hate it as a film. I'm not sure it was totally necessary. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a very good way of explaining in a sort of very flowery fantasy way the dangers that people get into when they start trying to segregate and when power is the main driving force for anybody that's either being oppressed or wants to just being st- stay in control uh, there's there's a you know that we live in very very interesting times um unfortunately there are still a lot of devastatingly embarrassing issues surrounding uh, lgbtq rights and the, the fact that we have to say black lives matter is it breaks my fucking soul that that needs to be a conversation like we should have moved past this in this we're we're in 2020 and we're having to explain to people that somebody has the right to live and you shouldn't think their life is less because of the color of their skin or because of the person that they love or because uh they you know they they were born in the wrong body and they're doing something about it like that these these conversations are so archaic and so depressing it makes my brain ache um maleficent mistress of evil tackles basically these it it's it's a it's a race thing you've got the fey folk against the humans and it's the most disney way of explaining that you can't just Fight and make the problem go away. And that people that oppress people for so long are going to get a comeuppance at some point. But the people that have been oppressed should not allow the oppression and the bitterness to make them as bad as the oppressor. There's quite a lot of very heavy topics being discussed in Mistress of Evil that are done in a very cloak and dagger i'm a disney film way so it's not necessarily obvious that they're making these very profound statements and observations about what's wrong with viewing people based on tick boxes oh you're x so you're less than me oh you're y so you're beneath me i'm this so i'm better than you that's basically the premise of that entire film and you get to a point at the end where there's all hell's breaking loose and they have to find some middle ground. There is a fundamental evil in that film. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer's Queen, um, is a, she's an awful character, but not as in, like, badly written or badly acted. She's just an awful human being. And and kind of the, uh, a caricature of what we see in certain political parties, you know the, that that blind, blood hungry thirst for power and control, and to be the one that rules everything. And once you extract that, everybody goes, oh shit! Like we've been led by the nose by this person that was deeply corrupt but we're not as corrupt as the person making all the noise it was just weird like that film I'm not sure why they decided to make it I th- Maleficent did incredibly well at the box office and when you've got Angelina Jolie that's going to bring butts into a theater and your Disney why not make a sequel to an incredibly successful Maleficent movie I'm not sure it necessarily needed to exist, but I kind of enjoyed it. It was very edgy. It has fuck all to do with the original story. But was the sequel to the remake of the original story ever going to have anything to do with the original story when you'd wrapped that up in the first film? No. So am I angry? No. Did it need to exist? Probably not. Does it have any relation to the original two films that we've spoken about already? Not really. Is it a good film? yeah it's pretty fucking dece. <laughs> like can't grumble it took very difficult subject matter presented it in a way that young audiences would understand that that what is happening there is bad and if you can show young minds that this is bad and get that in their head that judging somebody on the way they are or the way they look or where they've come from or what they do judging them on that kind of thing is wrong then fuck it high five disney you make your money that's fine line your pockets mouse that's cool it was dease what do you guys think
2: so before you started talking i was like i actually really like the sequel i would prefer the sequel and then you were talking i was like oh yeah that's true oh yeah that happened too so then I came to the realization, as you were talking, they made Maleficent two for boys, but also about all the issues you spoke about that are way heavier than it being a boys' film. Here is why they made Maleficent two for boys. They put a big fight in it and a big dragon, and there's a lot of lot of boy humour, such as my my favourite character, the crow very early in the film said I really want to be a bear one day and the film he's a fucking bear which is also a gay thing isn't it really that is it I did not pick up on that until you started talking about standing up for rights wow it's more than just a boy film but it is a boy film Mm -hmm. Maleficent 2 was not is a Yorkie bar it's not for girls boy film and fighting. I really like it. Hey. When they do, It was a joke on the Yorkie bar thing. If anyone who <laughs> I'll allow it. Anyone who, anyone who doesn't have Yorkie bars where they live, they used to have advertising that went, Yorkie, it's not for girls. That was, that was the whole premise of the bar. And then they brought out a purple bar, which was a bit redundant because purple was a very feminine colour. Regardless, That's a tangent about Yorkie bars.
0: Because, of course, the the Yorkie for a girl had to be in a pink wrapper because how would we know it was for us?
2: It just had raisins in it. I don't understand what made it feminine because it had raisins. Regardless, this isn't a Yorkie bar conversation. It's a Maleficent 2 conversation. I
3: really
2: liked it in the the big fight when the trees went (laughs) on the ground. For, for all listeners, because there's no visual for this podcast, I put my hands downward and went <laughs> on the ground, and their roots went and exploded up. I really like that. Reminded me a bit of Group. I feel like they took a lot of inspiration from those trees from Group. The fake creatures were way cooler in the second film, and less cutesy and more like, they're going to fucking murder everyone.
0: Sick. In terms of it being a boy film as well, there were a lot of um, shots in the trailers that got released before the film did of Angelina Jolie basically wearing strategically paced bits of painted on latex. Um, it was, that is an outfit. That is a fucking look. Like, Yas Queen. I mean, to be fair, if I looked like her, I'd walk around like that all day. Unfortunately, there's been lockdown where I comfort ate because I felt sad. So, I've got less of a washboard abs, more of a, you know, I'm, I'm insulated for winter. So, <laughs> but damn, if I looked like her, I'd, I'd be wearing strategically pasted on bits of latex. Like, it was fucking good. And I, I liked the, the inner turmoil in the Fae Folk where you'd got the, I forget what Maleficent actually is. She's not like she's not a fairy, but she's got the angel wings, but they're not angels. I can't remember the term, but whatever the fuck. They're
3: they're essentially dragonborn. The whole point was they were descended. They were descended from an ancient dragon. That's where, and they spread across the world, and then humans turned up. So they're essentially a sort of a dragonborn sort of.
0: But there was the inner politics between them. There was the, you know, the guy that basically gives up his life to save Maleficent, and tells her like, "Don't, don't do this. Don't go to war."
1: They're called Dark Fae.
0: I don't know why I couldn't remember that. That's really obvious.
1: I have a point.
2: They look like they're based off the orochre from from Dungeons and Dragons. That's
1: my one Dungeons and Dragons reference in the series. <laughs> yeah. She's a dark fae, but she's the latest incarnation of the phoenix.
3: Yeah. Ah, uh, phoenix, not dragon. That was it. I knew there was a, that huge. Cre- the, the point is the huge creature. It's, it was the phoenix, not the dragon. That was it. I was thinking. I thought I might be wrong when I said incarnation of dragon, and I went, then why the fuck have they got feather wings? But I couldn't remember ex- the exact thing, but that makes a lot more sense. Right. Okay. This film. Oh, where do I start? Well. It's badly written. Uh, some of the plot points are so painfully obvious, it's horrendous. Uh, the Evil Queen could have been so much more, but they made her out to be the Evil Queen instantly. Straight away from the off, she was made out to be the Evil Queen. She could have the reveal at the, at the top of the castle when she's saying, you know, kill all the Fae folk. That could have been a such a brilliant reveal when you go, oh, God, all the clues were there, weren't they? Oh, she is the bad guy. But no, they decided. Yeah. You know, that bit where she subtly looks at him. Well, we're, we're going to have keep that in, but then have a subsequent scene where she fecks off and talks about her evil plan. Literally the next scene, thus removing the f- need for that subtle wink that she gave in the previous scene. They boiled Maleficent down to, I'm angry, daughter should not marry man. So, wow, you took this incredibly complex character who was a mix of, I can't love, but I love this woman. Oh, uh, my barriers were wrong. Oh, I, I should bring that. Oh, and you took all this development and all this brilliance from the original and went, yeah. <laughs> she she's just going to be angry mother that doesn't like the uh, daughter's boyfriend isn't she that's the way we're going to fucking take this so wow way to ruin the film way to ruin an entire character the only sort of redeeming feature for for me for the film is what you all talked about which is the underlying um sort of right you know civil rights gay rights theme that's run through the whole that runs through the whole thing And basically points out, look, you can't judge people just because they're different. They're not hurting you by existing, so don't hurt them for existing. You know, that whole bit, is that sort of subplot through the whole thing is actually quite well done. That one is actually quite well done, I will admit that. The fact that, you know, uh, at the start of the film, you've got those hunters that go out and they get their ass handed to them by Maleficent and that's a brilliant intro, and you go okay, so the humans are still being a little bit dicks, even though there's a truce but Maleficent, in that instance, Maleficent's really good, in the first bit, where she's just, she's basically, she's, you can tell she's learnt from the thing, but she still needs to defend her daughter's kingdom that's all quite good it's fucking devolves from there, but yeah, the, the politics and the message bit, that's underlying all through, that's actually sort of quite well done the rest of it is a very very confused very clunky very badly written film and it's actually an insult to the original in my opinion not a fan then i suppose what didn't happen what what, i I suppose i was disappointed that that didn't help i watched you know really like the original really like what they did with maleficent the whole thing they did it so well and then they just went and wrote it badly i was like yeah They've made obvious plot points so obvious. They've badly written characters. They ruined Maleficent and turned her into a uh, just this angry mother-in-law type. Like, oh, wow. Well done. So I, I suppose I was disappointed as well as uh, I could let a few things go, like some of the writing. But when you built on what wasn't a near perfect first one, this one is an insult.
0: To try and shine some joy back onto it um but i can i can appreciate the way you've you've received that film like i can't just put go like you're wrong i would say that you've got to remember this is still a disney film so it's gonna hit certain criteria disney films are never particularly cloak and dagger they're always very obvious maleficent for me in that film wasn't a cliche angry parent type, she knew the, the queen was fucking evil. She's seen evil before. She's seen that kind of manipulative, heartless, power-driven, corrupted individual. And she knew she knew something was wrong and she couldn't put a finger on it. That was the general vibe I got. I mean, that might be just me, but the, I, yeah. I didn't have an issue with the way Maleficent interacted with the prince's family because I knew that she trusted the prince and she approved of the prince and she didn't really have an issue with the dad. She doesn't fucking well, she like... didn't
3: approve of she didn't approve of the prince. Remember the, the whole scene when he proposes and everyone gets fucking panicked because of how she's gonna react and she swoops down on high and goes, Absolutely not, this can't happen. Rady, rady rah it's like, well she clearly can't approve of the prince. If she comes, if everyone's shit scared of her when they announce the fact that they're about to get married, when everyone's terrified of her reaction, she can't like the prince that much.
2: i never get to do this wrong, because even though she does do the whole, oh, oh, you can't marry him, you and Trula doesn't, blah, 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 bullshit. I get, you remember this, she also talks to my boy, Raven Boy, and says, and um, Raven boy convinces it. Look, you've got to give him a chance. He's been good, and she's like, "Yeah, he has been good." So she goes to meet his parents, and that's when bitchy Michelle Pfeiffer's bitch face fucks everything up. She pokes mm-hmm. the bear. She pokes Maleficent it, until she snaps. Uh, she does the whole silver thing? I Feel you've been very harsh on Maleficent being ragey, McRage face when she did try and be diplomatic. Early
3: on, but she had until war was she- against the thing. But the problem is, she ha- unlike the others, where she came to realize. In the others, she came to realize it on her own through her interaction, and she's left at the end of the previous film going, "Okay, I should give humans a chance," and uh, my daughter has at least met a good one. And at the start of this film, she's back to square one. I'm not trusting humans again. It's like, hang on a sec you've either done this, you've either got a a non-trust off screen somewhere or you've badly written a character, which I suspect the latter because in the last one, they wouldn't have been terrified to tell her that her daughter is falling for this guy. She would have been a bit skeptical, but no one would have been that the entire Fey Forest was terrified of her reaction and shit scared. They weren't like that by the end of the last one. So why would it in this one? It's just badly written. Either something happened off screen that they never explained, or it's badly written.
2: Either way that part's badly written, the fake creatures should have had no reason to be scared. But Maleficent flipping out about someone eventually taking a daughter away is a very natural parent reaction. You tell a parent, oh, your child has been taken from you for X, Y, or Z, whether they're happy or sad about them being taken, be like, no, I don't want... Them. I'm happy with being here. where well, I can see them at all times. Without, it's a very without natural funny, reaction.
3: As, as a married man, having interacted with my wife's family for quite a long time, I can tell you for this, my in-laws were not angry... No one was terrified when we told them we were getting married. I could understand a bit of a oh, my daughter, but no one was freaking scared shitless that we were telling it uh, parents were getting married because they loved their daughter and they understood everything. So no one went, ah, fuck, she's gonna, oh God, the parents are gonna hate this, oh God, 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 God. They understood. So I've actually been on this side of it. I, no, So her being so incensed at this is like, really? Did did you forget all the character development from the first film?
2: I did say the woodland creatures make no sense in in, in their okay. hysterics. I did okay. say, I did agree, that was poor writing. However, your wife isn't the only, your wife's parents are not the only parents on earth. And the general <laughs> stereotype is in Hollywood, someone takes child away. Poses, kidnapped, whatever. Parents freak the fuck out. It's a, it's a Hollywood tro- It's a Hollywood trope. Is it lazy for leading into it? Yeah, maybe. Is it kind of what you'd expect? Yeah,
3: probably. Ah, uh, and that's where I think my issue comes. Then because of the first one, I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting such lazy writing because the first one didn't. Lean into any lazy stereotypes that i think that's where i must be coming from then because i really wasn't expecting that oh they've oh they've gone down this route have they They, that oh she's the angry mother now is she right okay let's forget any character development that's ever happened okay right
0: i just need i need a moment i don't think that's lazy writing i think at the end of maleficent maleficent goes through a lot in that film as we've already discussed at length she goes on, and I know it's a cliche, but a massive journey individually. But her barriers are broken down by the child. She loves the child and she trusts the child. And the child is her her, her, her physical representation of joy, peace, and happiness. That girl is her entire universe. And having finally broken down barriers and allowed herself to love the girl and to function with the girl i don't think it was lazy writing that she'd be terrified of her being taken away like she was the gut like she she didn't she didn't disapprove of the boy she may have disapproved that it was kind of it was getting to the point where the child is going to pick the boy and leave home and not be In her life, the way that she was before, Aurora was not going to be in Maleficent's life in the same way ever again. Now that it is absolutely concrete that she is going to marry the boy at the end of Maleficent. Maleficent takes the boy to Aurora to try and save Aurora. She would do anything to save that girl. So her being terrified that the thing that she was prepared to do to save the girl could be the thing that makes her lose the girl isn't unreasonable. The boy, not, he stops being the thing that saves her and starts being the thing that may make her lose her child. And once you've, like, if you've been badly beaten and abused and, you know, heartbroken... And you you have this like one thing that you adore above everything else, something that you would change fundamental parts of who you are as a person to keep. And is that precious? The threat of losing that, even if it's for a happy, joyous reason, is it's it is a kind of it is a bit of a cliche and it is a it's a well-known trait. But there's there's a billion kind of romantic comedies and other Hollywood generic films that are based around meeting the parents or like the disapproving parents it's a thing because it does happen in real life as well and the the risk of losing something you love that intensely even if it's because that's going to make that person happy it can provoke a reaction she's not balanced she's not a balanced character she's grown a lot she's gone through an awful lot but i didn't think that her reaction overall was totally unreasonable this is a woman that cursed a baby you know she she has got form for exploding passionately when provoked and she was provoked not in the strict not in the same way she was originally but it's yeah. still, it's a, she was highly emotional and something triggered her and she reacted and then she had time to think and then tried to be reasonable and then bitchy McQueenface fucked she up. Mm. Like, I don't have an but, issue uh, with Maleficent yeah. being overprotective because all she's ever been with Aurora is overprotective and the Which prince must... at some point becomes something that... Like, if mm. she moves away into the castle to be queen with the prince, Maleficent mm. can't protect her the same way anymore. And that's always going to be in the back of her head yeah. as her overriding protector. She can't watch but, the girl forever if the girl yeah. is now more in love with the boy than she is with her life.
3: See, that argument would hold water if, if uh, uh, her cursing the child happened towards the end of the last film. Is how she starts, and then she develops. This is my point. She starts and she develops and becomes actually maybe overreacting to shit. Isn't how I get stuff, and she realizes this. But then when she meets Bitchy face, and you know she 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 sort of snaps at one point, and goes right, that's it, we're out. You know the because the Queen. I will give this. The Queen goads her very much, fucking goads her, and you realize and you and says and you know it's so she can start a war and you know this instantly that's what I mean by bad writing and you know this instantly rather than having it build up over the whole thing you go oh this is what the queen wants because she's just fucking told us rather than have it delivered but then even Aurora turns to her and says what the hell are you doing this isn't you if one of the characters themselves points out the piss poor writing I, there's no more arguments you can have when even Aurora turns and goes what on earth are you doing, this isn't you why are you reacting like this I was with her going yeah there was an entire film of development that should have curtailed this I can understand her being protective but the but then to revert back to, fo- to complete form to the start of the last film is like oh Okay, you want her to go on another journey exactly the same again. Oh, uh, so you're falling into the sequel trap, are we? Where you make the character revert to form, and then have them journey again in the exact same way, like Sony, new development on her. She develops in the exact same way again. So, so you revert her to form so that you can develop her in the exact same way and try and make the story flow that way, right? Okay. I. I'm sp. I, I I probably will go back to one of your early points and say it's just a fucking Disney film. <laughs> I might be expecting a little bit too much.
2: They do use tropes. Number one, they're called the fairy godmothers. They are the ditzy arm. It is common as pigmo. And you even commented that you hated it. That was my point. That my arm now hurts. I
3: don't remember saying I didn't use any of them, but. Probably did, but I but I did praise the last one for being very different and being, uh, you know, really sort of going for the trying not to to do anything, like, sort of like that. They had one, and I said I didn't like it. It's a trope I didn't like it, but in this one, they seem to flood the bloody thing with it, and then made a lot of stuff so obvious. I just really didn't like it.
1: <clears throat> uh, just to throw a spanner in the works here. Um... I think we've all been in situations where we've been goaded into doing something that necessarily isn't us. I think that, that film is a refle- that scene is a reflection of that. Like I I'm not a fighting person, but I have almost punched an individual who we won't name. Um, until a friend stopped me. Thankfully he did. But I'm not again, it's it's one of those things where you get go into a situation so much, you do act out of character and you forget where you are who you are because almost primal instinct takes over and i think that's what was key to that entire scene it was she's just being a protective mother um and it was that's where i got from it. i didn't get lazy right now. i just got the fact that she was being instinctive it was like you've you've pushed too, but- too many buttons too soon too much you've gone too far now that's it
3: but a, there is a line in it when she's in with the dark fae folk, and she literally says, "Oh, I hate uh, my daughter's dead to me now." It's so, like, "Oh, can't kind of loved her that much then." You see what I mean? It's it, it sort of there's too many sort of badly done bits, but too much, on my opinion. I think I've just pissed everyone off rather than developed an argument.
1: <laughs> no, but again, we've all been there. We've we've all said things and we've never meant it. Like that's how, that's all I got from it. Like. Christ, I've said, ja- most people are dead to me, and then they feel like you're my best friend.
0: So we'll we'll leave that one there, and we will just move swiftly on <laughs> and agree to disagree on well Mistress of Evil. Um, taking yeah. The uh, I, as please. I say, I bipart- <laughs> apologise if I've.
3: For... I apologise if i actually pissed people off. There, it's just it's it's a it's a goat. A goat? It's a, a thing of mine. I've some of the things just piss me off. So I apologise for pissing people off rather than putting a, a coherent argument together.
0: It's all good. It's just, it's perception. I think it's not, we're not trying to argue that any one perception is necessarily completely right or completely wrong. It's, it's interpretation of it. I think just as a final point on it, it would just be, you know, there's been things like, I, the, the person I am today and that you three know is not the same person I was five years ago. It's not the same person I was 10 years ago. I've grown a lot. I've been kind of damaged a lot in between and broken and super glued back together. And there's a bit of gaffer tape in there as well, just for good measure. But I have grown generally as a person. That is not to say that I do not make the same mistakes and apologize for doing the same things that I've done before and I know are counterintuitive and ultimately hurt myself when i do them i have a horrible tendency to apologize for things the the list is you know and we've all got it every single person all you guys listening at home you all know that we all do it we've all got these traits that we know are not necessarily healthy but the right kind of the right situation the wrong situation and this part of your personality that you thought you'd got completely under wraps and you were completely in control of, it, it's, it rears its head. And that, would be, that was the only point I was trying to drive. I didn't necessarily think it was lazy writing. I thought it was a, a way of showing that sometimes your darker side shows, even when you've grown. I d- I don't. The, the evil queen was very clearly evil and the, the Fey reaction didn't seem necessarily completely proportionate because she had grown quite a bit, but I think that the, the Fey were hyper-energised versions of themselves anyway, so what would be kind of a... the If they'd been humans in a generic romantic comedy, like a meet-the-parents type thing, if they'd just been human characters... There'd have been uneasy anxiousness and like inappropriate jokes, but they were extreme fay characters and they reacted in an extreme fay way. It was, it's just, it's it's an all right film. I think the the general message that it tries to send overall overrides the bits that are a bit hmm. Um, and we'll just leave that at that. Cool. So, in terms of Maleficent Mistress of Evil as uh part two of a reboot would we say does it deserve to exist did it improve on the previous films did it add anything to it for you had there been sufficient time between the first two films we discussed and the 2019 add-on do you think like was anybody particularly for me like i'm not i'm not angry it exists like it 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 added to like it added to Maleficent's story enough for me to feel like it it deserves to be there. I don't think like you could say like it doesn't deserve to exist very strongly, like, but I'm kind of apathetic about it. It's an all-right film. I think, you know, what is it, like five years between Maleficent and Maleficent Mistress of Evil? Five years bet- for between the original and the part two of that film to lead us into the second part of that first film story 5 years yeah okay that's enough time for a part 2 to be released arguably we didn't need part 2 i think maleficent would have stood fine just as it was but i don't hate mistress of evil i'll let it live
3: yeah well this will come to no surprise to anyone no uh, i don't think it should have been made was the t- since it was a sequel sort of remake there there was the, the time aspects fine there was enough time but, you know five it wasn't out the following year or following set you know two years like some sequels are to try and cash in they left it enough time to 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 be a sort of sequel so on the time yes but on the other two points no nah, me didn't improve on anything in fact it went backwards so, and don't think it needed to exist. You know, the first one was brilliant as it was.
1: In terms of should it exist? For me, yeah. It, we'd l- lost nothing by watching it. I, in fact, I, I quite enjoyed the film, I Argued more than the first one. Um, is it a cash grab? Maybe. But who cares? I rather enjoyed the film. It, five years, if that's the amount of time it took to make the sequel. Yeah, fuck it. It's a, it's a bolt-on to the the Molescent one. Consider it like a one film split into two parts. We've seen it happen with fucking Harry Potter and all that sort of random shit, so yeah, fuck it, why not? It, better something exists and someone enjoys it, than something that doesn't exist at all. I'd rather one person gets enjoyment from it than no one at all. I'm gonna surprise people and say
2: no because it doesn't take any three criteria it doesn't improve on the left and doesn't add anything new really maybe it gets passed on the five-year thing like johnson said i like the film but it doesn't take the criteria we set out therefore shouldn't exist
0: and now we will move swiftly into cinderella territory and the animated version of Disney's cinderella was released in 1950 the live action remake with Rob Stark as the Prince um, was released in two thousand and fifteen. Um, for me, the animated film. I really love the animals. That's pretty much all I've got to say. <laughs> like I, Cinderella the animated film was never my go-to. I, I didn't particularly care about it overall i don't think she's an awful character i don't think it's an awful film i really loved the animals in the film i thought they were really interesting um because they weren't just cliche woodland creatures helping doing the dishes they had distinct personalities and characters and they had standalone sequences in the films where they were functional and helping and they came to Cinderella's rescue, not some knight in shining armor and a horse fighting a dragon. Like it was, it was her friends, and her friends just happened to be mice. Um The animated film, it was, it was perfectly lovely. Like it's a nice film. I can't use a stronger word than that, though.
2: I will go now. Honest, anytime the live action something pre. 1990, 1990 probably but it was Beauty and, Beauty and the Beast's 90s right the original
0: yeah I think it's like 92 but I might be wrong it's it's 90s so. though
2: any Disney animated any Disney princess film pre-92 the originals are so boring the animated versions are dull I, I don't care they're winning without real character because they don't Disney's back then doesn't give women character. Strong male? Beauty, Beauty and the Beast 91. Okay 91 Anything pre Beauty and the point, Beast just, my point still point. exactly stands unless Little Mermaid was pre Beauty and the Beast but I don't think it was. Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella and Snow White are three women with zero personality who literal props to be saved by a prince or married to a prince. there's nothing the animals are nice the songs are all right that's it
3: yeah cinderella was was one of those ones where uh, at the time because it was 1950 the female character having you know opinions and desires was quite rare so it was groundbreaking in the 50s for that because the woman was talking back how dare she and so i think that was sort of pro- her progress back then but other than that I, yeah it's all right it is quite a, a, a uh, an okay film and as female Strawn said the um, her friends coming to to her aid rather than the the prince ultimately and her friends being mice because she's been that isolated that she can literally only befriend um the uh woodland creatures that are in and around her house that was but yeah as as a general rule it was an okay film it wasn't bad and i've got no issues with it but you know uh cinderella was was all right she, but yeah she she's less she's got a bit more per- personality than the other one you actually at least know her desires and wants in this one because, you know, she's got songs about it and you realise that, you know, she just wants to... I think it's interesting in this one that she just wants to be human, not a slave girl. She doesn't want, you know, she doesn't want to be a princess at the start. And her wanting more is actually justified in this one, In unlike other Disney princesses where they're literally on top of the world and they still want more. It's like, really? Okay. But this one... You can understand her wanting more strangely you know she's basically a slave in her own family home so strangely yes she wants more but overall she's she's half decent she's actually got a bit she's got a personality that i can nail down and she actually you know can speak her mind when she wants so yeah it's a it's an okay it's a it's not a bad film it's in, it's a half decent watch
1: for me you may argue with this, but I don't think I was the sort of target audience for this one. I was more Aladdin, Hercules. I wasn't Cinderella, um, regardless of how much I might be the phony one in the group.
0: You're not their target demographic.
1: <laughs> no, I, I had no interest in watching this as a kid, so I don't even think I ever watched it. And the glass slipper, which I still stand by, would not be fucking comfortable to dance in. You couldn't walk in those fucking things, let alone dance in them. I can't walk in normal high heels, and trust me, I've tried numerous occasions. I wouldn't to fucking walk in a glass high heel.
3: If you're poking holes, the fact that she's the only one with her exact shoe size in the entire kingdom... <laughs> it's just like let's let's try this shoe on this girl. Oh, it fits. Yeah, because women tend to have the same size feet because they're human beings. Humans that have is... the same size feet. At some point, two women will have the same shoe size.
1: In the whole of kingdom, that glass slipper fits one foot precisely.
0: But so perfectly. precisely that it fell off.
3: And also, I love the fact that he can't remember anything about her else. He goes. Let, let's narrow it down. Was she blonde, tall, short? She Did she have a, an upturned nose down? to Oh, I don't know. a shoe fell off. Uh, 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 okay. Are uh, you sure you don't recognise her face or hair or anything? Anything we could actually narrow down the shoe-trying system? No, no. Try the shoes. That will do it.
1: Well, that's not kink-shame here. This is basically a guy who had the very world of world's first foot fetish. Not kink-shaming, just <laughs> saying. <same. laughs> Oh, brilliant.
3: <laughs> the fact that that's why he focused purely on her feet because he's got a foot. He was the whole time, he wasn't looking down at the feet to remember his steps during the dance. He was looking down because her shoes were see through, so he was getting a good old look at the shoes.
0: So him fr- the
1: he was so obsessed with that glass slipper, he's like, oh, it smells like her. Just yeah. saying. But, Not kink shaming but, basically- but that guy is weird.
3: Yeah. So, basically, you're saying the glass slippers to him were essentially crotchless panties. Because he'd see everything through them.
1: Pretty much. I, I, Pretty I, much.
3: I, I, that's never been a take I've take of thought of that. I've Hashtag no king Shane.
0: You've ruined so many people's childhoods. You've just completely demolished right. so many people's childhood.
1: You're welcome. Fight me. Speaking of demolished
2: childhoods, how did the uh, remake hold up?
0: The, right, so for me, the remake made more sense than the original film. Again, the the period of time that elapsed between the films was significant. We've gone from 1950 to 2015. That a whole heap of motherfucking time, yo. So but there was sufficient time, strictly speaking, for Disney to decide. Let's, you know make more money on this exact same story that's been retold and, retold and retold and retold and retold again this is not an original story this story goes back way back back into time like it's an old story in disney terms it was only that like second proper big budget crack up that that particular whip but technically i have to give them credit for leaving it so long the it gave you more of the the background of what got cinderella into the position she was in i think Kate blanchett's uh wicked stepmother was slightly more interesting particularly because there's a part in this the the remake where she does the once upon a time story and basically tells cinderella why her life is a a fuck show and just awful and how everything's about to be ruined because she's stuck with this child because she married for love and her husband died and then she married for money and her husband died and she's stuck with the brat. She's to look her at every day and that daughter is nicer than her two daughters and you know you, you, there's a lot more going on with the evil stepmother in the remake than the original. However, I'd argue that the fact that the stepmother in the original just seemed like a cold-hearted bitch with no basis for that made her crueler and made her a better villain. But I do really like Kate Blanchett's interpretation of the wicked stepmother. I liked that she was given a little bit more backstory. I like that you know where Cinderella came from and what she lost and that she's still meant to be, you know, fundamentally good having gone through all that but there's just i don't know like i'm gonna i'm gonna be a bit weird here and it's gonna sound really off tangents surprise listeners but in terms of remaking the cinderella story we've had better reinterpretations of the cinderella story we had particularly in i think it's 98 ever after drew barrymore and is it degray scott was the prince ever after is a better live action remake of cinderella it does something slightly different with the story it gives you way more it it maleficents the cinderella story to a degree It gives you way more detail about the shit that you never hear about in the flowery, flouncy, I'm a Disney princess, Disney animated version of that story. Like you get a little bit more depth and a little bit more grit and a bit more real life. So you've got Ever After doing something very different with it. And this is like in 98. So this is way ahead of the live-action remake by Disney. And then Disney go, do you know what? We'll remake Cinderella again. And they basically just do the exact same thing they did the first time. And I'm not sure that it delivered on any point better than the original film, animated film, did. And there were no talking animals. And I'm sorry, but in a film where you've literally got a fairy godmother... That magic's a goose into a fucking carriage driver and lizards into coachmen, and a pumpkin into a carriage and materializes out of fucking nowhere, a gown and some glass slippers. We, we can't have talking animals in this film that was heavily led originally in 1950 by Cinderella talking to animals. That was the best bit of the animated film, Cinderella talking to animals and then these animals being like me 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 me. I know like they never actively spoke at each other. Like Cinderella didn't just go, "Did you just talk, Gus?" but the animals actually talked, like actually talking. I missed in the live action remake. There were certain bits that were a bit more interesting. They tried to give the king and the prince a bit more backstory. They tried to give Cinderella's backstory a bit more of a go. They tried, to give, they tried to give everybody a little bit more depth than the first one. But the little bit of depth we got was like, you know when you go like <laughs> to step into the scene, you think it's going to be really deep and you, you prep yourself and then it turns out it covers your toe. And you're like, oh, I misjudged where the sand is at the bottom there. I expect it to be completely engulfed by water and my my foot is wet and that's it. That's the kind of depth we got in the live-action remake. It all just felt a bit surface for me. And I don't think any character was particularly improved upon. I think that, you know, stepmother was technically better having no context. I think the fairy godmother, I don't, I love you, Helena Bonecarter. And you, you you, weren't technically bad in the role that you were given, but the role that you were given wasn't good. I think Cinderella is a little bit wishy-washy. I think The Prince is a bit wishy-washy. I just think it's just a bit meh. Like, I don't feel any stronger about the live-action remake than I did about the animated film. And I think if you've left it that long between two and you feel no stronger about that story then something's gone a bit wrong particularly when I say 98 we got ever after and you went oh this is actually really this is a actually interesting interpretation of that story so it can be done so why wasn't it done and this is a year after Maleficent for context Cinderella is released in 2015 they've set a precedent already as to what they can do reimagining an old story and i i was kind of excited and then i watched it and was just like "Eh, it's just the animated one with real life people in it okay and that's when the the mentally i started chipping away at disney's live action remakes from that point like i knew that i wasn't necessarily going to get maleficent every time And that's, I probably shouldn't expect Maleficent every time, but if you give us Maleficent, then why are you not putting the same level of love, energy, commitment, dedication and writing into everything you do? We can see that you can do it, just do it. And I think Cinderella 2015 was just a bit meh. Uh,
2: So I'm going to come and hit you with some facts, first of all, so. Google and person in the film. So the IMDb, on IMDb, the 2015 version, of got a 6 it um, It's got a 67 out of 100. These are very average scores. Which puts me to agree with that. The whole film is. A bit I feel like it gives us good bits on one hand, and then the animated exam. highlights. Like. The fact they get a bit more backstory. I don't like the fact don't get talking animals. I like the fact that Lily James is in it isn't it? She's really pretty and nice to look. I don't like the fact that put Helen Burnham Carter is a good fairy godmother maternal type because she ain't that person. I like the fact that the stepmother had a motive. I don't like villains without motive. They all suck. I didn't like the fact that. The thought fetish thing's now been brought to my attention. It's ruined my enjoyment of all films regarding Cinderella Forevermore. Um, I don't think it's fair to compare it to non-Disney entries in the Cinderella franchise, because otherwise we're going to go through that with all of them. You know, we've got fucking Jungle Book coming up. Spoils for a future episode. We ain't going to be talking about the one that's on Netflix. We're going to be talking about a Disney one. So... And I've I've not watched any of the others, so I can't make that call. Uh, It's fine. It's just another Cinderella. There is nothing special or different about it. Lily James and uh, Richard Madden are both very pretty human beings if you wanted a motivation to watch it.
1: Right, okay, so my issue with this entire fucking remake bollocks is that there is always one well, not always, but there is exceptions to the rule where people have done it better under a different circumstance. Like you said, Nat, with... Um, is it Ever After? There is a, a, a yeah. CGI... There's a CGI movie that was released in 2006 called Happily Never After. And if I yeah. list off the cast to you, you'll, you'll be amazed that it's never made a big hit. Sarah Michelle Gellar as Cinderella. Freddie Finch Jr. Andy Dick, Patrick Warburton, George Carlin, Sigourney Weaver as the evil stepmother. Why did we get this utter bollocks that I watched quite recently, and this CG... I know it's not a live-action remake, but when this thing did it better and mixed up the whole fucking dynamic of what a fucking remake should do, why did we get that shit that I fucking watched recently? Mm. I have fucking nothing positive about the fucking remake because quite frankly, I got to the bit with Helena Bonham Carter and I always turned it off. Happily never after, I have watched multiple times. Yes, I'm a giant kid. Yes, I got to see George Carling play a wizard and I got Patrick Warburton as Prince Charming who follows a fucking step-by-step guide as to how to be a Prince Charming. Why do we need anything else after that? Follow the follow the comedic tropes. Don't follow the. F- I'm just. I'm ranting now. I'm just. I'm angry. I'm angry that fucking <laughs> this shit got a fucking worldwide release to a fucking streaming channel, and happily ever after. I watched a fucking dodgy copy. Urgh.
3: I'm I'm with a lot of viewers in as much as it's this uh, this 2015 was it 15 you say remake. Yes. Um. It was. It was a film. I mean, they uh, improved some characters and then did did dirty on others, which sort of then balanced it all out to be meh overall. Like you say, Nat, uh, that that they gave the um, wicked, quote unquote, stepmother, a bit more backstory, but that actually sort of broke her wicked stepmother appeal. Because she's not a wicked stepmother at that point; she's just a broken human. And to then have her do that, and you're like, "Oh, maybe her doing some of this is a bit understandable," or she's maybe gone it too far. But instead of just being a wicked stepmother, you know, a a villainous character, a villain, you're like, "Oh, well, they've just sort of made a mess." Now she's just a broken person, and it's a bit sad to hate her, but at the same time, she's also bad. Uh, But then they and they. So, and then they gave the prince like you said a bit more backstory they actually you know allowed him to speak more than a few lines and actually gave him a, a tried to give him a personality <laughs> not sure how successful they were but they tried to give him a personality at least but then with um uh cinderella herself they sort of messed her up a little bit as well like in the original cartoon when she gets trapped in the Uh, She gets locked in the room because the prince is coming over. So obviously they don't want her. What does she do? She bangs on the door. She fights. She screams. She kicks. And then eventually she breaks uh, and just flops on the bed and cries because she realizes that, well, this is my, she realizes everything she's fought for. This is, this is it. This is my life now. And she tries to fight and then breaks down and is saved by her friends. In this one, what does she do? She has a little dance. I mean what the feck is that kind of reaction to being locked in your room uh, when your potential savior turned up to have a little dance with your friends what so they sort of ruined it there a bit but overall yeah it was a bit meh it didn't need to happen because it was nothing was added and bits they did add were then taken away by stuff they they removed or ruined, so it all balanced out to be, meh.
0: Just to go to a point that you made, um, when she does her little dance and she's singing in the room, the the voiceover, if I remember rightly, does say that she she's not aware of the visitors and who they are because she just assumes it's not going to be for them. However, she still just like she gets locked in a room and doesn't do anything. But she just... Yeah, that, yeah that's what I mean. That that's her life, like, I don't know. She's just... I think they they push hard so they push home so hard that Cinderella by the end of the live action remake the moral of the story kids is if you are kind of heart and brave and just lovely everything will turn out all right and it just gets it just gets flogged to death like if you're super duper nice and lovely even to people that are abjectly horrible to you it'll come out good in the end which i'm not entirely sure is the best (laughs) like i mean there's 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 grounds for it like don't be a dick is a very good message to send out to people but be nice and placid even when people are actively trying to destroy you maybe not the best message to send out to kids i don't know
3: yeah, no, I, I agree with you. That, that's what I mean by what she, what they sort of turned Cinderella into, which was that sort of. In the other one, you know, she had a bit of a personality and she fought. You know, like you know, like she bangs on the door, she makes uh, a, a couple of sassy comments. Uh, you actually see more emotion because uh, the time when she gets her dress ripped and she she crumples and weeps, and then the fairy godmother turns up, whereas this one is a bit like you say it's oh just be nice and it'll sort of work out it's like you really you really should fight for your rights at some point you know I I agree don't be a dick but don't be a a fucking doormat either
0: at least in the live action remake the prince actually recognises Cinderella by her face like she (laughs) walks into the room and goes aha my lady, and you can just see on his face, he's like, that's the bitch, got your shoe, like, he, he actually recognises her, so, you know, it's got that going for it, that makes more sense, that bit of that's the original story never made sense to me, like, he, you, you literally make loving eye contact with her, like, the, the, the original animated film is basically, ladies, if you scrub up well and throw the right shapes, dudes will love you, um that's, that's the, like the fundamental message to that film be nice put on a lovely frock and throw some shapes he won't remember what you look like because he'll be that in love with you like it's just a really fucking weird weird fucking like i've never understood cinderella the animated film like what it was trying to pitch because like you can pick apart things like You know, The Little Mermaid, I will always go back to as a prime example of like, Disney, really? What are you doing there? Uh, the, The Little Mermaid is fundamentally change everything about you to get your man, which is not the right message to be sending. But at least it's a fucking weird message to send. I'm not sure what the animated Cinderella was trying to achieve. And it's so far removed from the original. It's like if you go way way back to the original kind of versions of the Cinderella story the original Cinderella story like the the ugly quote unquote sisters they they cut off parts of their feet to try and fit in the slipper they cut off toes and their heel and the blood overflowed in the shoe to try and trick the prince into marrying them like it's grim disney disneyfied that version that story in a way that was just like really fucking weird
3: It is what it is it 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 exists there's a thing i mean the fact but i think um now you brought up the best point about the film which was it came on the heels of maleficent so it's like hang on a sec you you did maleficent and then just decided to carbon copy your old old film you saw how well maleficent did but decided to not do that again so it just seems a bit, uh, okay, it's, it's, even weir- it's even more meh when you consider context like that.
0: It was the first live-action remake, for me anyway, and I'm not sure if you guys will agree and get listeners at home, let me know. And if I'm upsetting anybody, I'm sorry, but... Cinderella was like the first live-action remake where we'd had like this... This massive setup with Maleficent the year before. And then we dropped to Cinderella. And nothing's ever quite made us go back up to the same sort of level, for me anyway. And it just, Cinderella was like the first one where I was like, you've made this to make money, and that's it. And that's literally the only reason this film has been made. You have made this film purely because you can. And so you have. And you've not really had to rethink anything or redo anything. And the only things you have tried to rethink and redo haven't been executed as fully or as well as they could have been. It was just, it felt like a tick box exercise. It felt like Disney by numbers with real people playing the parts and a bit of CGI thrown in for good measure. Like, I don't think it delivered. I had high expectations and didn't get what I was expecting. And it isn't the only live action remake that I've seen or that we're going to be discussing at a later date that's done that for me where I've I've finished watching the film and the credits are rolling and I've sat back and gone that's not done anything new and I'm not sure I particularly loved it or enjoyed it it's, it's in amongst live action remakes that I've, I've watched once I caught the tail end of it again when Strawn decided to actually you know, pick up where he'd left off when he, he rage quit the first time. But I'll, I'll never sit and re-watch the live-action remake again. But then in the same breath, I'm never going to sit down and watch the animated film again. I didn't particularly enjoy or fall in love with any of the characters enough to warrant re-watching it. There are other animated Disney classics that I have gone back and I will continue to go back and re-watch. And I'm not just talking about, you know, your Hercules and the later animated ones that are particularly strong. Like, I will still go back and watch The Little Mermaid. I will still go back and watch Snow White because Snow White was beautiful. Purely from an artistic point of view, the actual technical proficiency of the animation of Snow White outstrips most of the the disney princess animated films that follow it immediately in like the the following like 10 15 potentially 20 years if we're going to be really really brutal it's this live action remake thing like it was the first one that really like i felt like i'd been punched in the gut a little bit like the cast if you if you read it on paper it's a live action remake with Rob fucking Stark as the prince, like, yeah, that makes fucking sense. King of the North, prince of the Disney film, why not? Helena Bonham Carter should have fucking worked. The, there were faces in that film that I recognised. You've got fucking Kate Blanchett as a supervillain. And yet, like, on paper, this all sounds like it should deliver super duper hard. And we know that Disney have the capacity to take something they did back in the day and do something more interesting and more relevant with it. And I think that's where that version of Cinderella, this remake, falls down. They didn't do anything to make it relevant. It was literally just the same exact interpretation of that story. If I wanted the exact same interpretation of that story, I would go back and watch the animated film. And I know that, we, you know, I agree with Kimbo, we shouldn't be talking about stuff outside of the Disney orbit in terms of remakes of these stories. But the the Ever After reference was like, I feel like on this one occasion, it is relevant because Ever After does something that Disney could have done because we've seen they can do it because of what they did with Maleficent. And I wanted more, I wanted more of a maleficent vibe from it. I wanted I wanted the Cinderella to accidentally bump into the prince in the market and they fall in love before the ball. And then he sees something in the girl at the ball that he recognises and can't place. And then when he finds her, he recognises her and goes, Oh, how did I not realise it was you, but all tarted up and like throwing shapes, moving like Jagger and whatnot? Like, I just wanted. I wanted them to focus harder on like a a realistic human romance building between two characters rather than just another whitewashy, prettified, Disney-fied version of a fairy tale. It just felt like a fairy tale by numbers.
3: Yeah, just... uh... Uh, on the sort of the earlier point you just sort of made was, and it sort of will answer your sort of the, you know, the three criteria. And it's, you said, um, will you watch this again? No. And will you watch the original again? No. Well with Maleficent, will you watch the original Sleeping Beauty again? No. But will you watch Maleficent again? Yes. So that sort of answers, that was the point I was making. That'll sort of answer everything you sort of need to know that this one was
2: and that made three points, no, two points, and I wanted to make a point. And that's point one I have an issue with. They didn't, inter- they didn't interact before the, uh met, before the ball. They interacted when they bumped into each other on the horse, in the big field, in the woods. I apologise,
0: I completely forgot about that. I totally forgot.
2: Sorry. Two, it's okay. Point two, the film is less whitewashy than the animated one. The king has a black bodyguard.
0: That's not what I meant by whitewashy. Sorry. That was a badly chosen word. Like, it was just like meh. It's just Uh-oh. like, a w- I meant wishy washy.
2: Oh, okay. Wishy washy makes more sense. I was like, she It's going
0: got one black guy in the film. No, I'm sorry. It's late and I've had rum. Ron-
2: <laughs> okay uh, my point I wanted to make is how you would have improved this film, one real easy change, don't even have to recast anyone. On make Kate Blanchett your fairy godmother so she can be all maternal and lovely dovey make Helen and Carter your evil stepmother so she can be Helen and Carter thank you and goodbye
0: So, on that note, Cinderella live-action remake 2015, does it deserve to exist? Did it add, improve to the original animated version that they they slopped out? Uh, Sufficient time, again, we're going to just, it's a given. It was 1950 to 2015 is the gap that we're looking at time. But technically, yeah, that's fine. However. For the context of this particular story not being an original story anyway, time is irrelevant, I feel. So we're going to have to focus hard on did it add or improve? And um, I don't. I, for me, it didn't add or improve. Not really. Not in a significant enough way to justify the film that was made. That's the most succinct I've ever been.
3: What she said
2: in line with our rules, which I have been following diligently throughout this, it deserves to be made because it adds, it doesn't improve, but it adds, it adds backstory and it gives the evil stepmother a character that isn't, I am an evil stepmother, and 65 years have passed. People who were children, but the original Cinderella animated film was was aimed at, have now had grandkids. This one will be nice for those grandkids, I guess. Maybe. I'm never going to watch any Cinderella film again. It's a shit story.
1: No, fuck it off. Done. Goodbye.
0: So on that bombshell, (laughs) Um, thank you for listening, guys. Um, We will be coming back to live-action Disney remakes at a later date. Different films, clearly. We've got a lot to be picking through. Um, But for the time being like, What did you think of the episode Did we upset anybody Did you agree with us What other films do you think we're going to be discussing Just you know generally Get in touch You can email us It's trainpopculture at gmail.com We're on Facebook, Instagram and Tumblr Just look for trainpopculture Or one word And Twitter the handle is Culture underscore train For now though thank you for listening come back next time and
1: goll kraust